You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with 95.7 The Game. Uh, follow us on social media. Search 415ers. I'm on social at Gettings 10 Mark is on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Um, th- this this Mr. Irrelevant title, however, Mark, <laughs> is is something that is, look, it's going to follow Brock Purdy for the rest of his career, no matter no matter how short or long it is. Um, but But you had some thoughts in particular about it, and, and so did Brock, it sounds like. Yeah, so Brock Purdy met with the media on Thursday, and, and one of the questions he was asked was, what do you think about the Mr. Irrelevant title? I think we kind of all think about it as, oh, you know, kind of a, a unique, funny thing. You were the last guy picked. Like, at least you didn't go undrafted. You were drafted. It's great. Like, let's have some fun with it. And, uh, you know, Purdy obviously understands that side to it as well, but he also kind of, kind of has a bit of an edge to him because of that. Let's take a listen. You know, people are, you know, they make a joke out of it and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's all fun and games, you know, in terms of taking the trip and beating great people and all that kind of thing. But for myself, like, yeah, I've always believed that I don't care, like, what slot, what round, what pick, you know, I, that I get picked or if I was undrafted. My whole thing was, man, I just want to go out and, and prove to myself that, you know, I can play at this level. And so that's always been my mentality, um, even though I was the last pick. That's just where I happened to fall in the draft. And, um, you know, I, I've embraced the role in terms of having fun with it when I got here with the guys and going on the trip and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, it's for me, it's like, man, I got an opportunity to come and play for the 49ers and compete, make the team, and uh, do what it takes to, you know, push these guys in the locker room and, and win at all costs. So that's really where I've been with it. I don't hate the term or anything like that. So a couple of things. First of all, right mindset, you know, regardless of where he's picked, he wants to just come out and prove to, first of all, himself that he belongs at this level. Second of all, that trip that he keeps referencing is part of Irrelevant Week. So the the, the name Mr. Irrelevant and then Irrelevant Week, it began in 1976 when former USC and, you know, NFL wide receiver Paul Salata founded the event. He announced the final pick of each NFL draft until 2013. Since then, his daughter has has taken over announcing those final picks. But after each draft, the new Mr. Irrelevant and his family are invited to uh, to spend a week during the summer in Newport Beach. It includes a trip to Disneyland, a golf tournament, a regatta, and a roast, giving advice to the new draftee. Also, they are awarded with the Lozman Trophy, which is kind of you know, supposed to mimic the Heisman trophy, except on the trophy that, you know, the, the person, the Mr. Irrelevant is fumbling the football because, you know, he's, he's Mr. Irrelevant. Um, so I, I didn't know too much about irrelevant week and uh, you know, everything that comes with being a Mr. Irrelevant. Um, but it's kind of interesting, you know, the, the, 
I don't know, the experience that a Mr. Irrelevant has after they're drafted going out and, and spending all this time with former Mr. Irrelevants kind of joking and, and poking fun at yourself the whole trip. And and now you have to come in and, and be a team starting quarterback. I don't know. It's it's an interesting, I don't know, mashup of of kind of ideas because on one side you want to have fun with it, but on the other side you kind of want to start taking yourself seriously and, and trying to to do some good in the NFL. Um, but but Brock Purdy seems to be able to kind of split those two up. He's 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 understanding that some people like to have fun with the Mr. Irrelevant title, but but also knows that that was just a place that he was drafted. It doesn't define him or, or what his career might be. So uh, kind of kind of a fun story there from Brock Purdy. Yeah, I also have a message for Brock Purdy uh, that that hazing that you're referring to that you might be using as fuel. Uh, it, it's not going to stop. So you're going to get more fuel the rest of this season. Look, it, this happens to every single athlete. And I, I don't know specifics about how football hazing is done. Uh, but for example, Buster Posey in his rookie season, of course, which ended in a World Series, his first full season with the Giants, uh, he was asked to wear a Goldilocks costume to the clubhouse. Like he was asked <laughs> to dress up and basically you know, embarrass himself in front of his teammates, in front of his coaching staff. Stephen Curry, there was a story about him as a rookie having a vet lock his phone in a locker before a trip to Oklahoma City. And Stephen Curry having to not only go out and get a new phone because he didn't realize that the vet had locked his phone back in Oakland, but also having then to do certain you know tasks for this veteran, going to pick up uh, snacks, going to pick up you know, movies, whatever this guy wanted, Stephen Curry was asked and complied with doing. So I do love that Brock Purdy is trying to use the Mr. Relevant title, the dinner, the hazing, all his fuel to become a better athlete. But I hate to break it to you, buddy. That is not going anywhere. And if you're Brock Purdy, uh, uh, you, you better get used to people trying to pick on you, not only for just being a first year play, but for being the last pick player of the draft that is going to follow you wherever you go. So, when hearing Purdy talk about that and the, the trip he kept referencing, I knew there was, you know, some sort of event that Mr. Irrelevance had. I didn't know exactly the details. So I, I researched it a little bit and I found this this really funny little nugget. So Irrelevant Week, that whole trip out to, you know, Newport Beach and going to Disneyland and all that it stuff. sounds like a fraternity. It, it kind of does. So it gave so much publicity to Mr. Irrelevant. That in 1979, the Los Angeles Rams, they had the second to last pick of the draft. So just before Mr. Irrelevant, they intentionally passed to let the Pittsburgh Steelers pick ahead of them. So the Rams could have the final pick of the draft. But the Steelers also wanted the publicity that comes with Mr. Irrelevant. So they passed as well. And the two teams just continued passing and passing and passing and passing until the NFL commissioner at the time, Pete Rozelle, he forced the teams to pick. The Steelers won the pick. And that incident led to the Salada rule. He was the first Mr. Irrelevant, which prohibits teams from passing to get the final pick. I had no clue that that was a thing that even happened in the past. But this Mr. Irrelevant history is fraught with things like that. Imagine fighting almost as hard for the last pick as the first pick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like the draft lottery day. All right, boys, we got to get this thing ready. Number one picks coming up. You know, the, the ping pong balls are going to the hopper and we're trying to, we're going to find out who's going to, who's going to be the car that's flipped up another one pick. 
All right, cool. That's all well and good. Hey, boys, second prize, consolation, 7, 262, Brock Purdy. We want him. We want him bad. <laughs> Like that, that's, that's what I'm taking away from this, this initial, this inaugural Mr. Irrelevant competition. Yeah. So you, there is a rule in the NFL against refusing to pick in in the final round to get the, to get the last pick of the draft, because there's too much publicity, Evan, around Mr. Irrelevant. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, there is a lot of publicity around Mr. Irrelevant. There is also a lot of publicity around the quarterback who is coming in to Santa Clara slash San Francisco this weekend. He is a native of the peninsula. He is from San Mateo. His name is none other than Tom Brady. And it was kind of funny, Mark. Like, I I think we got a glimpse as we have for a long time and did like you're talking about, you know, the, the competitive fire that Brock Purdy is showing and wanted to show people up and make you know prove doubters wrong about him being irrelevant or not. Well that that is Tom Brady like in a in 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 a single like kind of definition. Like the, the competition he is almost like symbolized by. Um but it was it was an interview I think from Cron this week where they went and interviewed Tom Brady Sr. They interviewed his dad hmm. and they were asking him about you know what's it gonna feel like for you know Tom to to come home and do you enjoy the San Francisco 49ers? I think Brady has played in San Francisco once in 2016. Uh, he threw for four touchdowns. But basically his dad was saying, you know, let's, like, let, let, let's go ahead and pump the brakes on all the romance and bromance that's going to be coming with Tom returning to the Bay Area. Like He literally said something along the lines of, well, they had six chances to pick him and they didn't. So... You know, our, my number one team is whatever team my son, a.k.a. Tom Brady, is playing for. Maybe a distant second. If I had to pick a second team, it would be the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> doesn't seem like, <laughs> number one, Tom Brady has forgotten that the Niners passed him up all the way back in 2000 and that his dad has still not forgiven the 49ers for not picking his son at some point in that draft. Well, do you remember, I think it was last summer. I, I can't remember exactly what show it was. I think it was, was it HBO's The Shop or or was it, it was it was something yeah, it was like on The that. Shop. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, you know, Tom Brady was asked about kind of his decision to go and play with Tampa and, and maybe if there was other potential suitors. And there was a team that told him like, no, sorry, we're not interested. And, and he obviously was personally offended and, you know, came out and said something along the lines of, like, what the hell? You're sticking with that guy, like whoever was your starting quarterback at the time. So I would not be shocked if Tom Brady and, and the entire Brady family didn't forgive the Niners and really any other team for that matter for passing on him, you know, what, five, six times in the NFL draft? Um, because he, he's obviously not forgetting a, a, a couple of teams or a specific team for not being interested in him before he left the Patriots and, and went to the Buccaneers and ultimately won a Super Bowl in his first year there. It just seems like that's the nature of Tom Brady as good as a quarterback as, as anyone has ever been, but also as competitive 
as anyone has ever been that's played the position. That's just who Brady is. Yeah, I believe the specific term he used was that MFR, quote unquote. <laughs> you want that MFR over me. And of course, that sent the football world into a tizzy, right? Like, who's he talking about? Oh, is he, he talking, talking about, about Jimmy? Is he talking about Jimmy? I, I think that from what I read, like the consensus between most people is that he was talking about Derek Carr and the Oak and well, formerly the Oakland Raiders now in Las Vegas. Uh, boy, are they in trouble? All right. So but 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 the point stands. Yes, Tom Brady is an extremely competitive person. And if the 49ers had had a chance, which was rumored to be a chance to get Tom Brady after the 2019 Super Bowl, then you could say at this point, Mark, that they they clearly made the wrong decision. I mean, and that's that's kind of where I want to go next. Like, how do you reevaluate that decision or non-decision when it comes to Tom Brady and potentially could have being uh, could have been a 49er? That's a really tough one because you have to rewind to that moment and think about where the Niners were at at that point. Uh, because 2019. Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't had his recent string of injuries yet. He's coming off of a fantastic season. Yes, that ended with disappointment. That ended with him not performing as well as he did in the regular season. He wasn't asked to do much in the first two playoff games, the wins over the Vikings and the Packers. And then, of course, he missed Emmanuel Sanders on the middle of the field in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl. Everyone likes to point to that as the reason the Niners lost, but the defense also gave up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, there's blame to go around for who was the reason the Niners lost that Super Bowl. Garoppolo, not as good as he could have been, for sure. But I think the 49ers were still pretty happy with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. However, the conversation that we've had a lot this year, Evan, is the Niners' window. And, and you know, how maybe it doesn't extend for that many years into the future because of the veterans that they have and and the contract situations that they're dealing with. But you also have to remember what the conversation was around Tom Brady after that same season, because that conversation was, you remember he lost a, a home game in the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans. And he threw multiple interceptions, had a pick six to seal the game at the end. The conversation was, is this the end of Tom Brady? I, I know he wants to keep playing, but is he simply past the point of, you know, no return? Like, is he spiraling downward? That was the conversation. People easily forget that because he went on to win a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you can easily say, well, he's the greatest of all time. Those conversations were all dumb. And sure, they're proven to be now. But most people felt that way in the moment. Tom Brady... Not not the quarterback you want to build around anymore because he is extremely old, as we know, and he's trending downward. He's proven us wrong phenomenally because he's not human and he's the greatest football player of all time. But that was the conversation at that moment. So I, I think it was a really tough situation for the 49ers, Evan, and I don't really blame them for the decision that they made because I can fully understand why they made it. It's just unfortunate because they were proven wrong. If Tom Brady is the Niners quarterback over the last few years, they probably won at least one Super Bowl and maybe are in line for another. Because the other thing about Tom Brady is he does not get hurt. And he's probably still the starting quarterback today if he is the Niners starter from the start of the season. So 
unfortunate, but I, I don't really blame the 49ers for the decision they made. Yeah, and, and that's that's where I want to jump off to is, look, at the time, Tom Brady's 42 years old. Uh, now, he did have a 12-4 and four season. I know the regular season, his numbers were, were sort of down. But looking at that team, I'm looking at his receivers. I'm looking at Julian Edelman being really the only guy he has to throw to. His second leader receiver that season was James White. To me, where where things get tricky when it comes to the, I guess, revisionist history is, yes, Tom Brady's stock was heading down. Jimmy Garoppolo's stock was heading up. Even with the missed throw in the Super Bowl, it was, I believe, his, you know, his third official season, his really his first full season, and you go to a Super Bowl with him. That's hard to move off of any quarterback even though I don't think people perceived him to be necessarily young at the time. But when it comes to health, even an elder Tom Brady has always been able to stay on the field. And I know we talked about how, you know, maybe it's unfair to place injury blame at the feet of Kyle Shanahan, but Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be associated with injuries for the rest of his career, however long that goes. And unfortunately for the rest of his life, people will point at him and say, yeah, you're, you're an all right quarterback, but you got hurt all the time. That to me is why if there is a reason to look back and say, damn, we should have pulled the trigger, not only because you, you might have a Super Bowl, maybe even two at this point, if Tom Brady's your quarterback, but because you immediately get a guy that can stay on the field for 16 games and had already told you that he wanted to play till age 45 the difference was he wanted weapons around him, something that San Francisco had along with a dominant defense, but also needed a place in which he could extend his career. That That's, to me, the only reason to look back at it a little bit differently. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, the injury history, I think, is the biggest red flag for the 49ers. And even after that 2019 season, after the 2020 Super Bowl, I think you still had some concerns. He had the torn ACL the previous year. Um, but it, it wasn't like that was the conversation at the forefront at that moment. But I can still understand. I mean, Tom Brady's in his 40s and had, what, one major injury to that point that cost him a season. But but beyond that, not much. And th- it's not just, you know, luck at that point. It's, it's you know, a quarterback who's smart and avoids hits. If he sees a rush coming, he's not going to try to escape. He'll just go down and, and eat the seven-yard loss. Um, that's what happens when you've, you know, played football in the NFL for like 25 years. I mean, a, a stat that I, I found today in researching is uh, Brian Greasy, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback coach, and Tom Brady were teammates at the University of Michigan in college back in the late 90s. So that's that's how how old Tom Brady is and how much of a veteran he is. He was teammates in college with the current 49ers quarterback coach. It's all you really need to know. No, that that's a fact.